Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. My wife and I love to try new food places. I say food places because we don't just stick to restaurants. We also like to try new food carts. <laughs> One of our favorite food carts is a Chinese food cart that is just awesome. I mean, the guy is great. The only problem is that it is in downtown Portland, Oregon. <laughs> it, is, it, it is good enough that from time to time, we do venture down there to get our food and then jet right out of there. <laughs> I mean, like, like all good food carts, it is, it is cooked to order. And so there is a small wait time for you to, to get your, your order. Well, while we wait, we have seen plenty of like open air drug deals, people sharing crack pipes and, and what we affectionately call zombies. Yeah, these people, they, they just stand there all slumped over, like just completely out of it. Uh, it's it's so sad and it affects everyone of, of all walks of life and ages. In the re uh, recent election in Ohio, recreational marijuana was legalized in Ohio by a ballot measure that passed on November 8th of this year with a 55% vote. The measure known as issue two allowed adults 21 and over to possess up to 2.5 ounces of marijuana and grow up to six plants at home. This makes only four states now, Idaho, Wyoming, Kansas, and South Carolina, that do not have some form of legalized marijuana on the books. Every other state has either legalized it, legalized it for medical use, legalized CBD, or actually decriminalized it altogether, or some combination of those things. Now, from a series of articles from the Daily Wire comes this, the FBI seized more than 220 pounds of drugs in Massachusetts last week in a massive drug bust, believed to be the most drugs ever found in a single spot in New England. The FBI task force found 10 million, 10 million doses of drugs with a street value of $8 million during a search on November 1st in Lynn, just north of Boston. The Justice Department said in a press release on Monday that the stash included 8 million doses of fentanyl, methamphetamine, laced pills, and powder. Among the drugs were 20 pounds of pink heart-shaped fentanyl-laced pills that were pressed to look like candy, according to the Justice Department. Authorities also found brown rock and powder-like substances, which tested positive for cocaine and other drugs, and counterfeit Adderall pills believed to contain methamphetamines. Three men were arrested in connection with the uh, allegedly running the large-scale drug trafficking uh, organization. Um, and, and if convicted, the men face up to 20 years in prison and a fine of up to $250,000 for each charge. FBI Director Christopher Wray said that the 
The seizure saved lives in communities throughout Massachusetts. Quote, not only was the seizure one of the largest in history in Massachusetts, but some of the pills were created to look like candy, potentially uh, presenting an enormous risk to children. The number of doses is greater than the number of people living in Massachusetts, according to acting U.S. Attorney Joshua S. Levy uh, for the District of Massachusetts. And quote, the fact that we now are seeing fentanyl-laced pills pressed to resemble candy only underscores the urgency of this fentanyl crisis, Levy said. Fentanyl is a synthetic uh, opioid that is um, cheap to make and easy, easily transported. It is about 50 times more potent than heroin and 100 times more potent than morphine. Because it is often cut with other drugs, users may often be unaware that they are consuming the powerful substance, which can be deadly even in small doses. And as little as two milligrams of fentanyl, weighing the same as a few grains of of salt, can cause a fatal overdose, according to uh, the DEA. Fentanyl it has has been on the rise in the U.S. for years. The public, uh, in in a public safety alert, the DEA said that six out of ten, sixty percent uh, of, of fentanyl pills the agency tested contained a potentially lethal dose, and in 2022, more than two thirds of the 107,081 drug overdose deaths uh, involved synthetic ov- uh, opioids, uh, mostly illegal fentanyl, according to the uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. But that is not the worst. The number of drug overdose deaths involving a, a powerful animal tranquilizer called uh, zelazine uh, it has skyrocketed in recent years. Um, Xylazine, uh, the, the percentage of, of fatal opioid doses um, in which the uh, xylazine uh, was detected rose by 276% from 2.9% to 10.9% between January of tw- uh, 2019 through June of 2022. And this, this is according to the CDC. Xylazine, also known as um, Transk, is uh, an animal uh, sed- sedative not meant for human consumption. So it can lull people into a state of unconsciousness for hours as it can slow the heart rate and lower the blood pressure. This this is what they take, like I say, when they look like zombies. They just simply, they bend over almost like they're trying to tie their shoes standing up, but they just, they just, they just look like zombies because of this tranquilizer that's a uh, horse tranquilizer that is part of uh, the mix. Uh, with chronic use of tranks, um, it, it causes dramatic disfiguring wounds uh, and and usually on a person's legs and arms. And it's not clear why this happens. It, it can occur regardless of whether the drug is snorted or smoked or injected. Uh, and that, that, according to Dr. Jean-Marie uh, Perrone, who is the director of the Division of Medical uh, Toxology and Addiction Medicine uh, Initiatives at the um, Perlman School of Medical of medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. That's a that's a mouthful. If you had tried to put that on a on a business card, right? Uh, Tranks is increasingly found laced in the illegal supply of fentanyl, uh, a a potential synthetic opioid, primarily blamed for over seven seventy thousand overdose deaths in twenty twenty one, according to the National Institute of Drug Abuse. In March, the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration warned 
about a growing threat from the drug combination, often called Tranks or Tranks Dope, um, according to the DEA. Um, the the new findings come as the as drug deaths continue to rise dramatically. Uh, a, a 2022 CDC study revealed that the U.S. had experienced a 30 percent increase in dr- uh, deadly drug overdoses uh, from the 2019 and to 2020. Uh, which is the largest such increase ever recorded. Using death certificates dating back to 2018, researchers found that the rate of drug overdose deaths involving uh, xylazine uh, increased from 0.03 per 100,000 people to 1.06 per 100,000 people in 2021. During each of those years, men had more than double the rates uh, uh, than uh, of women. Uh, nearly all overdoses also had evidence of fentanyl and most up um, uh, up to 91.1% were uh, unintentional. Despite the increased detection of xylazine uh, in overdoses, there is no evidence that Tranks increases the, the risk of death, though, uh, although the mixture of xylazine and fentanyl can can lead to worsening withdrawal symptoms. Uh, Tranks wounds are extremely difficult to heal as well. Quote, there is a lot of tissue loss, Perrine said. Uh, There is a crater where their skin used to be, and it's easily infected. Infections can move into the bone or into the bloodstream. Amputations are sometimes actually necessary. Uh, Harm reduction specialists with the Boston Healthcare for the homeless program say patients come to their facility daily for wound care an increasing number of those wounds are related to the xylazine uh, according to uh tehai uh, johnson a, a nurse practitioner there uh, johnson and her uh, colleagues must uh, often remove dead tissue from the wounds to get them to healthy uh, ones as as possible uh, as healthy as possible uh, to promote healing which can obviously take weeks and even longer to, to clear up. Now, the question that, that some people have had is, is does uh, Narcan work on Tranks overdoses? And, um, well, Narcan uh, is, of course, the emergency life-saving medicine used to reverse opioid overdoses quickly is ineffective against xylazine because it just uh, it, uh, is not an opioid. Um, all, all of this sounds course terrible right i mean this is this is just bad news type stuff but there has been an experiment going on in the pacific northwest for a while now and it is proving to be a complete failure matt walsh says this he says shortly after an 18 year old open fire on children in an elementary school in uvalde texas last year killing 19 students and two teachers the new york times published a lengthy front page article on the killer's background and one line in the times reported uh, report did didn't last long before an editor deleted it from the article without explanation the sentence in question quoted one of the gunman's co-workers at wendy's saying this quote he would often talk about how much he despises his mother and his grandmother whom he told her uh, did not let him smoke weed or do what he wanted unquote it was never clear why the particular line was deleted from the article most likely they wanted to push you know gun confiscation instead and it confused the narrative 
But in, in any event, the New York Times didn't want to talk about the shooter's marijuana use. If if the blogger Alex um, uh, Berenson hadn't spotted the 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 change, it likely um, it's likely one that would have just never been noticed. Uh, what what we do know is that if the shooter in Uvalde was indeed a pothead, then there was a lot of other examples just like him. Many other mass shooters from Parkland to Aurora to Tucson to, to Sutherland Springs were reported marijuana users. That dovetails with research showing that young people who use marijuana were more than twice as likely to commit acts of violence. To give just one example, the American Journal of uh, Psychiatry uh, published a, a meta-analysis of several large-scale studies three years ago, and this is their conclusion. Quote, these results demonstrate a moderate association between cannabis use and physical violence. Cannabis use is the population um, in this population is a risk factor for violence. Unquote. You, you never hear about these studies. I mean, probably for the same reason that the New York Times censored itself for even mentioning marijuana in the context of the Uvalde shooting. But in, in elite circles, talking about the consequences of marijuana use is unpopular. Anything that discourages people from smoking more weed is also disfavored. It's almost like they want the masses to be drugged and passive, which, of course, might explain why the cigar tax in New York is like 75%, while the marijuana tax is less than 15%. But regardless of, of what... Uh, exactly explains the discrepancy. The, the PR effort to push marijuana has obviously been successful over the past decade. Uh, two dozen states have passed some form of legalization or decriminalization of weed. And and because, you know, the slippery slopes are real and anyone who uses the term slippery slope fallacy is lying to you, the discrimination uh, or the decriminalization movement did not end there. Instead, it's progressed far beyond marijuana. Three years ago, on the heels of the race riots following the overdose of, of George Floyd, Oregon became the first state in the country to decriminalize the possession of illegal drugs. Not just marijuana, but every illegal drug. Nearly 60% of the voters in the state approved Measure 110, along with a separate measure that legalized the use of um, the hallucinogenic mushrooms for therapy. Uh, the idea was that laws against heroin and meth and other drugs were just counterproductive and oppressive and, of course, racist. So they had to go. Uh, hopes were high, as, as even a Vox uh, reported at the time. Uh, they said, quote, giving the decriminalization is so far untried in the U.S., it's difficult to say how it would play out. In that sense, Measure 110 would create a real-time experiment for Oregon and the rest of the country, unquote. Not long afterwards, though, the problems began to emerge. In 2022, a local news station embedded with the, the head of a Portland drug uh, interdiction uh, task force, here's what they learned. Back at the office, Ferguson is willing to show us drugs and guns seized recently in two separate cases. Those little blue pills are fentanyl. And it's everywhere. It's everybody we contact. Uh, 
I have a couple of cases that are back-to-back cases we did this week. And in each case, it's uh, fentanyl possession and stolen handguns. And this is almost everything we do right now. How much does Measure 110 have to do with it? Uh, Measure 110 has everything to do with it. Ferguson said because Measure 110 reduced possession for small amounts of drugs, including oxycodone, the drug business has flourished. The fentanyl pills are uh, counterfeit oxycontin pills. And by decriminalizing that, it's basically legitimized criminal organizations. And the drug possession use and sale is just rampant with very little consequences. And it's taken away our tools as police officers to sort of interdict that. Reported drug offenses in Portland dropped from 880 the year before Measure 110 went into effect to 364 the year after. Police still do have some tools, and Ferguson was involved in a bust last June in which investigators found 500 fentanyl pills along with 44 firearms, two of which were machine guns and 1,000 grams of methamphetamine. So now, three years after Measure 110 was passed, voters are tired of it. I mean, polls now show that a majority of residents in Oregon now want to re-criminalize hard drugs And a ballot measure doing so is expected next year. And that's because, predictably, decriminalizing cocaine and heroin and everything else has led to nothing less than a breakdown of society in Oregon. To the extent that there there was a a society there in in the first place, even. (laughs) There was, but you understand what I'm saying. Last week, the Wall Street Journal published an extensive analysis into the effect of Measure 110 on the state. It's a a report that everyone should read as it, you know, in in entirety. um, And and it entirely annihilates the case for drug legalization. And yet, almost all of the pro-drug legalizers are simply ignoring it. They have gotten what they wanted in Oregon, and and to a lesser extent across the country. But you notice that they are not out touting the success of the policy that they advocated for. That's because there is no success. It has been a disaster. The paper reports that as a result of the law, quote, people sprawled on sidewalks and using fentanyl with no fear of consequences have become a common sight in cities such as Eugene and Portland, unquote. Uh, From May of 2022 to May of this year, the number of fatal overdoses in the state increased by more than 20% to 1,500 overdoses. That's the third highest jump in the entire country. Police in Eugene, Oregon report that this year there have been 858 calls for overdoses. In 2020, the number was only 438. The, The whole point of Measure 110 was to force these people to go to rehabilitation services instead of jail. But, of course, that hasn't worked either. Quote, some 6,000 tickets have been issued for drug possession since decriminalization went into effect in 2021. But just 92 people have called and completed assessments needed to connect them to services, according to the journal's report. The only penalty for those who don't call is a $100 fine, which, of course, is rarely enforced. That's 6,000 tickets, 92 people. So, and that's just those that called in. That's not those that followed through. That's just those that made the call. 
In sum, Oregon's decision to decriminalize all drugs has been abject and total predictable disaster. It turns out that when you invite people to do drugs whenever and wherever they want, well, you end up with a lot of people doing drugs whenever and wherever they want. Associates for decriminalization um, advocates uh, thereof have, have always claimed that decriminalizing drug use will not lead to more drug use, as though the law has absolutely no effect on people's behavior. But that flies in the face of everything that we've observed about human behavior since the dawn of civilized society. To, to put it simply, laws matter. When the, when the law allows a certain behavior, well, you get more of that behavior. And it's not hard to figure out this equation. It's not rocket science. That's why, unless we want a lot of a lot more overdose deaths and illegal guns in, in major cities, we need to take a very close look at all forms of drug decriminalization, including the more limited decriminalization and legalization efforts we've seen across the country. As I mentioned earlier, weed is legal in most places now. How is that working out? Is, is there any evidence it's making things any better? But, the, you know, by the naked eye, it, it certainly seems to be contributing to our societal decay. It, it has a demoralizing effect, at least. To, to, to walk through any city in America and smell the stench of weed everywhere, with people walking around stoned as, as you go around, I mean, look around at our cities, smell the stench everywhere, see people high on drugs everywhere, and ask yourself, has this made society better or worse? That's the question everyone should be asking themselves. Aside from the naked eye test, what what does the data say? Well, for for a lot of reasons, it's hard to measure the, the precise impact of marijuana decriminalization on people's quality of life. But there are just so many variables to it, including the decision by leftist DAs to stop enforcing, you know, a bunch of of laws uh, centering around it. it, it, It's it's difficult to ascribe any particular blame to one specific policy or another, but it's all kind of a, a jumbled mess. And to be sure, a lot of jurisdictions that have legalized or decriminalized marijuana have seen significant increases in crime. New York uh, legalized cannabis in 2021, for example, and then immediately saw its overdose crime index jump by more than 22%. Along the same lines, after uh, the state of Washington, uh, the Washington Supreme Court struck down the state's drug laws, effectively legalizing all drugs, just like Oregon, uh, crime spiked. Uh, Washington's rate of violent crime jumped 337 per 100,000 people in 2021 and more than 375 per 100,000 people in 2022. It's continuing to go up. There's no easy way to determine with absolute certainty at at this stage uh, what role, if any, drug legalization is playing in these numbers. But there have been some attempts at drilling down to see. A couple years ago, 
uh, analysts at the Justice Research and Statistics Association looked at the impact of marijuana decriminalization in 11 states, including Washington, Arizona, California, Colorado, Nebraska, and, and, and many others. And, and by speaking, they, they did this by speaking to local official, officials and law enforcement personnel. The research found that after Washington state legalized recreational marijuana use in 2020, arrests for both the possession and distribution of heroin and methamphetamine increased significantly. Meanwhile, in Colorado, which also decriminalized pot a, a decade ago, research found, uh, researchers found out that, quote, respondents in particular report, reported in a increase in homeless population from individuals moving to the state for jobs in the marijuana industry that failed to materialize. Other concerns expressed the uh, interviewers, uh, interviewees related to criminal behavior associated with marijuana business, such as attempts to steal marijuana and take over selling from locals. In Oregon, there were similar concerns. I, 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 quote, an Oregon respondent reported a 55 to 60 percent increase in marijuana related DUIs following marijuana decriminalization. Along the same lines, a separate research team from the University of Utah scrutinized crime data from Oregon and found that, quote, results provide some evidence demonstrating a crime uh, exacerbating effect of recreational marijuana legalization as reflected by substantial increases in the rates of multiple types of serious crimes. In Oregon, uh, relative to non-legalized states following the legalization, including poverty and violent crime overall, as well as other crimes such as burglary, motor vehicle theft, larceny, and aggravated assault. None of this is particularly surprising, of course, given the marijuana is a you know psychoactive drug that's been linked to um, violent behavior. What what is perhaps surprising is that given what we know and what we don't know, several states are still pushing the decriminalization agenda. Ohio, for example, as we talked about, is set to decriminalize the, the drug in just a few weeks. Here, here's, here's how the local news is covering it. Well, marijuana will be legal to buy and sell in the Buckeye State in just 24 days. But that doesn't mean the marijuana shops will be open just quite yet. Our Michael Sandlin, he joins us live from the east side tonight. And Michael, I understand you spoke to a professor who kind of broke down the timeline until people can actually buy marijuana. Yeah, Jeff, I spoke to Professor Brandon Cohen, who teaches multiple cannabis management classes at Toledo. He said looking at how things went in Michigan and Colorado, he expects it'll be a little over a year before we start seeing marijuana shops pop up in our local neighborhoods. He walked me through the process it's going to take to get there, saying that once issue two makes it through the legislature, it's passed off to the Department of Commerce, the same group that regulates and works with legal medical marijuana and liquor. They set all the rules and regulations for sale, which will take at least a few months. Once that's finished, they'll ask the public to submit proposals for businesses. And once those are reviewed and the best candidates are selected for licenses, we just start seeing businesses for recreational use start to pop up around Q4 of next year. Now, if you voted for issue two, you know on the ballot it says these new businesses will bring in hundreds of millions of dollars in tax and tax revenue. Cohen says that's 100% true. I've been working in the Michigan market for four years, the legal market, and I know that the tax base has, they've 
generated over $300 million in taxes last year alone. Um, so that's a, I, I can't imagine that Ohio would be any less. Ohio's a bigger state than Michigan by a couple million. So I'd imagine that Ohio's taxable sales will be similar, if not higher. Cohen says that money will go into whatever the state designates it for, whether it's roads or the schools, you name it. He says he's already seen the positive effects in Michigan. He's looking forward to seeing it right here in his home state. Do you notice something there? Notice that they're not talking about how decriminalizing marijuana is going to make everyone more productive and happier members of society. They're not claiming that it's going to make the state a better place to live, which is really what every law ultimately should be designed to do. They're not talking about how safe the schools in Ohio will be after young children with mental disorders are granted even easier access to these psychoactive drugs. Instead, they're talking about tax revenue. They're telling you the state will make more money. That's the whole pitch. They're not, they're not even pretending otherwise. And that tells you something that even left-wing voters in Oregon are now realizing. The more recreational drugs are legalized, the more crime and urban decay you have to deal with. This really should not be a surprise. People are more likely to do something when there is no legal ramification for doing it. That doesn't, e that doesn't mean that everyone stops doing drugs when you make it illegal. It just means that the fewer obstacles in the way, the fewer consequences, the more that behavior, the, the, the more of that behavior you get. This isn't just the, the practical obstacles put in place when something is illegal. It's also because the law is a teacher. A thing begins to seem less objectionable to people when a law endorses it. Ultimately, there's, there's no upside for anyone but the, the state treasury and, and the, the politicians who you know, desperately need voters to be stoned and submissive as, as possible. Otherwise, if, if voters weren't high out of their minds, they might realize that these politicians are, you know, what they're doing uh, to their communities. They might realize that destruction and decay are a choice. And then, like the voters in Oregon, they might decide they finally had enough of it. I don't know. We'll see. I will, we'll definitely keep our eye on it here on the podcast. And I would love to hear from you on it. And maybe you've been affected by uh, this, you know, the, the drugs in some way, overdosed um, family members, whatever. Um, we'd love to hear from you on it. And of course, you can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.